And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So today we continue our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have so far talked about speaking in tongues and interpretation and prophecy and healing. And we've looked at what the Bible actually has to say about them rather than what has been popularly supposed. And I hope that we've found a place of balance in that. And today we continue with our series looking at what I will call speaking gifts. History is full of the names of outstanding Anglican preachers and teachers. J.C. Ryle, John Wesley, George Whitfield, J.I. Packer, Alistair McGrath, just to name a few. Unfortunately, we Anglicans have a tendency to think such gifts are best left to the professionals. You know, the funny guys that wear their collars backwards, it looks like. Unfortunately, this is really something that strikes deep into our culture. We need to leave it to those that have the advanced education. And the fact is that rather ordinary Christians, if I may use that expression, have been gifted by God to communicate the gospel in different situations. It is especially here that we see the biblical and reformational principle of the priesthood of all believers. Speaking gifts are not just for the clergy, they are for the laity as well. Now, again, I said that we'll be talking about the speaking gifts. And what I mean by that is there is an important component of speaking in the gifts we'll discuss, but it's not just about speaking in public. We will examine the nature and purpose of the following gifts, evangelism, teaching, pastoring, exhortation, and leadership. Um, and we'll look at what the scriptures have to say about each of these gifts and what I might call the symptoms of whether or not you have this gift. And the list is rather long, so today we're just going to focus on the first three, evangelism, pastoring, and teaching. We'll cover the other two, exhortation and leadership, next Sunday. So the first gift we will consider is evangelism. The word evangelism comes from a Greek word meaning good news. In the ancient world, an evangelist, if you will, was someone who announced glad tidings or good news, such as a messenger who lets a king know, hey, your army just won that battle, thought you'd like to know that. In the New Testament, it means a preacher or proclaimer of the gospel, the good news that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The classic text for the gift of evangelism is found in Romans 10, beginning at verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, all Christians are required to share their faith in Christ. That is clear. But there are some people who have the gift of evangelism. They have a special ability to communicate the gospel in ways that are relevant and accessible to their audience and which lead people to readily respond and be converted. Someone with the gift of evangelism will typically be able to converse easily with strangers or people of recent acquaintance. They seem to have a knack for persuading and influencing people. They include spiritual truth in normal everyday conversations with the unsaved by discerning when the right time to do so is. They have freedom and joy in talking about the gospel in natural and unforced ways. They have a strong desire to specifically pray for unsaved people by name. They are driven by a strong need to share the good news with others, and they feel incomplete when they're not regularly witnessing to people. They have evident fruit in evangelistic efforts. They make friends easily. They become frustrated when other Christians do not seem to care as much about the lost as they do. And finally, even when confronted with daunting circumstances, people with the gift of, of, of excuse me, evangelism have a compulsion to share the gospel, often with positive results. Now, if you believe you have the gift of evangelism, then develop the gift. You should receive training in how to witness, such as evangelism explosion. You should be very clear about the essentials of the Christian faith. The book of Romans is your main textbook. Find an experienced evangelist to be a mentor. So many people have this gift. They have the ability to strike up conversations easily with people and to make friends. They've never thought, maybe they have the gift of evangelism. Many people have the gift, but do not develop it or do not know how to do so. Well, where should this gift be exercised? Everywhere. In the workplace, in one-on-one conversations, small groups, formal outreach events, providential meetings. The evangelist brings people to Christ and then passes them on to the pastor. Let me say this once more. Every Christian has the responsibility to share the gospel with others, not just the evangelist. Let's move on then to the gift of being a pastor. Someone with this gift has a lot of responsibility. In 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, we read, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly 
not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The New Testament word for pastor means to shepherd, to herd, to tend a flock, or to exercise vigilance. Pastors are usually thought of as those who are ordained ministers, but there are many lay people who have this gift as well. In fact, even within our tiny parish, we have several people with this gift. Someone with the gift of pastoring has a special ability to assume a long-term relationship for others' development of their spiritual growth and their welfare. This could be for one or two believers or for a whole group. People with this gift are people-oriented, and they're not loners. They're gifted to bring out the best in others. They instinctively know where their strengths lie and what situations they will thrive and what will nourish and delight them. They're sensitive to people and careful listeners who can identify the needs of others. They're able to engage in long-term discipleship. They take responsibility for the welfare of others. They are not afraid of getting involved with people to get their hands dirty, so to speak, in other people's lives. They're committed to know people, to stay in touch with them, and maintain good relationships. They are strongly determined to give themselves to struggling or straying Christians to encourage them and bring them back into the fold. They're faithful in reaching out to those who wandered from the faith and in caring for the flock. If you believe you have this gift, you should be mentored by someone who has this gift. You should receive training and understanding and identifying spiritual gifts in pastoring, leading Bible studies. Get familiar with discipleship training materials, and I would especially recommend the Navigators as a good source for that. You must know and understand what the Scriptures teach on pastoring. Well, where does the church need pastors? The church needs ordained ministers, yes, but lay ministers. We need chaplains, we need small group leaders, we need counselors, we need youth ministers, we need children's ministers, and we need people who are passionate about one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Let's move on now to the gift of teaching. All of us have experienced that one special teacher who makes learning exciting, interesting, and accessible. Someone with the spiritual gift of teaching can do that, but they also have the power of the Holy Spirit working with them as well. Teaching is critical to the gospel ministry. The church was commanded by Jesus to teach the world the good news in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. This applies to all Christians, of course, but there are those who are specially anointed people who are called to teach in the church. In Titus 2, Paul tells Titus that teaching must be rooted in sound doctrine and have integrity and dignity. I think the shouting, facile manipulators found too often on TV and the internet probably wouldn't measure up to that standard. 
Someone with the gift of teaching has the supernatural ability to research and analyze biblical training and communicate that knowledge and understanding in very clear, concise manner, resulting in the transformation of lives. But be warned. The Bible says in James 3, verse 1, and 2 Peter 2, verse 1, that those that have the gift of teaching are held to a much higher level of accountability. If you have the gift of teaching, you will find that people consistently understand truth because of your teaching. Teachers, particularly those who are gifted by the Holy Spirit, have a strong desire to understand truth and to find ways to explain it to others. Spiritually gifted teachers enjoy studying and research, and they're able to disciple or discipline themselves to study God's Word. Far more than others, if you are called to the gift of teaching, you want clarity. You want certainty about the truth and you are impatient with unclear explanations. A teacher takes the time and effort to provide well-organized materials to assist their students. If you have this gift, you are able to teach in a number of different ways to assist students in understanding the lesson. A teacher invites questions and is patient with those having problems in understanding the material. If you are a teacher, you are logical and systematic in your communication, and you enjoy word studies and research. You are angry when the scripture is used out of context. A teacher gifted by the Spirit is convinced that Bible study is basic to the practice of all spiritual gifts. And if you are such a teacher, you are very upset when you see Christians who are apathetic to the study of the Word, or who do not invest the time necessary to learn biblical truth prior to operating in their gifts. As a teacher, you have informed opinions based on investigation and analysis on a number of different subjects. Um, I hasten to underline informed opinion. I frequently tell my high school students they don't have the right to an uninformed opinion. We need to get into the Word and understand the world around us. Finally, if you've been called to be a teacher, you prefer the objective to the subjective. The church desperately needs teachers. There is so much false doctrine going on. If you think you are called to teach, find opportunities to teach. It may not be a formal classroom. It may be in just a relationship with others who need to know the truth. Learn good biblical interpretation methods. Be involved in regular Bible studies. Study Jesus' teaching methods and study the book of Hebrews as well. This really is in many ways your foundational textbook. You're needed in small and large group Bible studies. And consider writing as well. Your lecture notes can be converted into books. I've done this three times and it's not as hard as you think. And if you think you might like to try your hand at that, 
I happen to know the publisher at Archdeacon Books who would be glad to take a look at your manuscript. The gifts of evangelism, pastoring, and teaching are often seen in those who are out front in the church. But the fact is there are many venues where gifted people are needed in providing these ministries in more behind-the-scenes settings. A church brimming with Christ-honoring evangelists, pastors, and teachers would be no such, you know, wouldn't be such a bad thing, would it? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.